0: Good evening everyone. Welcome to another installment of Pesach Preparation for the Unprepared. And I hope everybody is doing well. Today is Beis Nisan, the second day of Nissan, the beginning of the second day of Nisan. Two weeks from last night we will have the first Seder. And we are going to be Be'ezves Hashem beSeder. We're going to be fine. We're going to be ordered. We'll be ready. We're going to... We, we have been trying... Be'ezus Hashem, to teach these halachas uh, for preparation in a manner which is manageable, where every one of us could realize that we can do it. That even if this Pesach is bringing us so many surprises, Be'ezus Hashem, we hope that things will calm down. There will not be more difficult surprises, only good surprises. Only good surprises, in it's But But... Um, but uh, despite the fact that we didn't prepare, like people scare us, that in order to be able to prepare for Pesach, you have to start preparing. I think on on Simchas Torah after you t- you might say Simchas Torah after you take down the sukkah, um, and uh, well, who knows? <laughs> so uh, so um, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna be as a time We're gonna do it, and we're going to do fine. And um, so we're talking a little bit about the about the preparation, different angles of the preparation for Pesach. I want to again just express that um, I I know there there, there are people who uh, might be more alone this Pesach, and we want to be able to be helpful uh, in terms of in terms of some aspects of the preparation of uh, if, there, if there's things that we can do, and we hope I hope that people will be in touch. I will try to be in touch. I hope people will be in touch back and that Be'ezus Hashem, everyone will be able to have a proper and a good Simchas Yom Tiv. I want to speak about one thing here at the outset, which um, we discussed a little bit in previous calls and, and, uh, and now I want to actually offer a forum tonight for those who are on the call to be able to actually do it and do something about it. So I ask you to think about it now during the call so you'll be prepared before we end the call if you wish to do so Uh, one of the things which is normal for pesach is that people sometimes get new dishes or the like new pots and pans a new cutlery different things for for pesach and uh, this year of course we are again repeating that it's very important for everybody everybody not to be heroic and foolhardy but to stay home, to save lives, not to go out shopping, if at all, in any which way possible, it's, uh, it's avoidable. It should be only the greatest essentials for which a person would, uh, would go. Um, we um, Okay, I'm gonna, mute. I'm gonna mute everybody at this point. If there are questions anybody wants to ask, they can put them on the chat or we'll unmute later if we give a chance. So, um, so we um, we want to limit those things, but in, nowadays a person wants to get something new for Pesach, or needs to get something new for Pesach. So one can order it one can order order it from Amazon, or one can order it from whatever stores, and you know to be able to have it delivered. Or one way or the other, you end up with some new dish, pot, pan for Pesach. So the question is we have a problem because we have to tovel dishes. When we have suda when we have uh, uh, utensils which are used for meals that are bought from not from a Jewish uh, manufacturer, uh, we have an obligation to tovel to immerse those kalim in a mikveh or in a very significant natural body of water. Now Stanley Fishkind doesn't have a problem because if you look at his screen, you'll see the beautiful blue of some kind of an inlet in the ocean. So all he has to do is beteuvel his dishes right there. And maybe everybody else could do the same thing, but I don't think it's gonna work. There you go. Um, there's Stanley's hand. But, um, but however, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, how are we supposed to be able to accomplish this need of doing tevilas kelim? And uh, the, the, yesterday I emailed out a letter to the shul uh, about Pesach, and included in the letter was what were a number of decisions that the vader abonim uh, made together, and this was uh, what, what I had hoped for and wanted to share with you, and that is that um, there is an allowance that can be used for the short term under the most extenuating of circumstances, which we're going to call this year very extenuating circumstances where a person can avoid the obligation of Tvilas kalim, This is not something to do under anything but the most extenuating circumstances. And that is that one can, the obligation to be tovel kalim, the obligation to immerse kalim are kalim that become yours. When they become yours, you have an obligation to tovel them, to immerse them. Before they become yours, you don't have an obligation to tovel them. And therefore, if the kli, If the utensil isn't yours, you're using it, but it's not yours. You don't have an obligation to have it tovilt. And so there is a a, a heter, a way around tefillas kelim, which which has been discussed by Poskim under extenuating circumstances, and that is that we render the kli, we render the dish or the pot or whatever it is, ownerless. We make it hefker. And then we can use it without reclaiming it. When you use it, don't say, it's mine. It's still not mine. It belongs to nobody. It's Hefger, but I'm using it. And as long as it is like that, one can manage without actually toiveling, without actually immersing the kli. So that's the solution. That's the suggested solution that we are giving this year. Because to go to a kalem mikveh, to go to a, a mikveh with kalem is, you know, the kalem mikveh every year before Pesach, is extremely, extremely crowded, and what we must do is stay home, save lives, and certainly stay away from crowd situations. And so we have this method of temporarily, for this period, until this thing passes, avoiding the obligation of being tovel the kalim. Now, you should take note of the kalim, of the new kalim that you have, that you haven't toveled. Uh, Someone sent me a very good suggestion, uh, which was that, one could take a picture if, you know, if you're, if you're on Zoom. So then maybe, you know, you have a phone on your camera and you could take pictures of the kalim that are new, that haven't yet been titled, keep a little file of them. And miretz Hashem, when this ends and we're able to go out and do things as normal, so then you'll have those kalem and you'll tovel them in the mikvah. what we're prescribing here is a short-term solution. And that term solution is, short-term solution is to make them hefker. Now, to make them hefker, halachically, to, to make the, render them ownerless, you have to do it in the presence of three people, in the presence of three adult males. And, however, because it's not like a minion that has to have physical presence, you can do it in, in the presence of an announcement over the telephone or over Zoom in front of three adult males. And therefore, so I'm teaching you here now the halacha to what to do with kalim that you need for this Pesach, that you haven't been able to teival, that you can invoke this leniency. And, and we're going to do it here on this call before we, before we finish. We're going to give everyone an opportunity to, to gather up whatever kalim you have that you want to teival, that you haven't been able to be teival, and you will make an announcement. You'll be free to make an announcement in front of three. We'll make sure that there are three men that remain here on the call, that you are mafkir, that you're rendering those kalim over o- ownerless, and therefore you are temporarily avoiding the obligation of Tfilas kalim for the interim for Pesach that's coming. So that's what we're gonna do, emirat HaShem, a little bit later. The, and I wanted to tell it to you now so you'd be prepared for it. I also want to just note that it's, it, this is a real leniency, which is necessary to use this year for things which are more needed, so you know the example is that someone uh, asked me about um, about some kitchen tools that they could get that they could really manage without that they have that they didn't toville that they could really manage without, but it would really make their life a lot easier if they'd be able to use them, and I said if it could make your life easier, and this year on Pesach especially, it's important to make your life easier then by all means rely on this leniency. On the other hand, someone said, I got a new set of stemware, and um, you know." so there, you know, a pot, a pan, you need to cook. Stemware, a person could use disposables, and um, therefore maybe avoid it. A person who got glasses for the arbacosos, smaller glasses to use for the arbacosos that were glass. So that, I would tell them, do it, because, you know, it's, it's for the mitzvah of Arba Kosos, it's nice not to use a plastic cup, a paper cup. However, for other things, one should separate, one should distinguish between that which is needed and that which is just wanted. And this kind of a leniency is invoked for something which is needed, rather than just for something which is wanted. So that's what I wanted to share with you about Tevilas kalim about the immersion of kalim in preparation of Pesach. Uh, I also would just go over with you a couple of things that people should realize that uh, there is generally not an obligation, unless you have very fancy china, there's gen- generally not an obligation to, to, to kosher the regular dishes. If they're glass, there is. If they're coated really with glass, then there is an obligation. But otherwise, most dishes themselves don't really require tefillah. I know that's uh, shocking to a lot of people. Cutlery certainly does require tefillah and glassware certainly does require tefillah and pots and pans require tefillah Because they're made out of metals, but um, but uh, but generally speaking earthenware and China do not require tefillah So that's about that Um, Let me let's go on to speak a little bit more about kashering the kashering of kalim and uh, As usual again, I invite you if you have specific questions you can indicate so on the chat Uh, feature which is on your Zoom Um, and a little bit later I'll open up the line so we'll be able to hear other people. If somebody has a question they'll be able to ask the question. So we talked the other day I showed you a little bit about koshering you know the kitchen sections, koshering the counter, koshering the sink, uh, koshering the oven. Uh, We talked a little bit about it and about koshering the stovetop refrigerator. Um, and we can go over it again and speak about it a little bit more. But I wanted to speak here today about kashering specific utensils. Another thing which will not be occurring this year, but a chateva, as we would anticipate, is the shul-based kashering. Uh, we have, for many many years, have shul-based kashering. We have big big pots. Interestingly, by the way, you know what those pots are called and sold as. They're called crab steamers, right? Great way to kosher in a crab steamer, right? But it's a big, huge pot, which is made for uh, something very not kosher, but it's just stainless steel. And we use that because to kosher big things like pots and pans, you need to be able to put it in a bigger pot and pan unless you're gonna do a very, very messy job. So it's very important that, so, so we have that, excuse me, in, offered in shuls, in our shul, in many, many shuls. And on a Sunday morning, before Pesach, it would have been uh, probably not this Sunday morning, but next Sunday morning, that that people would come and uh, and you know and line up, and the, their their kalin would be immersed in the hot pot to be able to kasher them. Uh, this year, we're not going to be able to do that uh, for the same social distancing considerations. Now, I, I want to note something that. Uh, when we were thinking about it and talking about it and thinking about if there was any way to do it. So I called my dear, dear friend, member of, of, of a family of our shul, David Mayer Loeb, who, when he was in high school, I believe, started doing kashering, helping me with kashering on Erev Pesach. And today, Kenei Nahar, as a father of many children, he has continued to do it every year. Take that Sunday to help people with the kashering of the dishes big shout out to David Mayer. And I asked David Mayer, I said I want you to tell me what the percentages are who people of people who come to kosher of the following. I want to know what percentage is kiddish cups and the like, things like that, nice silver things. What percentage is people who made a mistake during the year and by mistake rendered something not kosher? A knife or a pot or whatever it is, and is coming to fix it. And what percentage is people who are coming to kasher cutlery or pots and pans from Pesach from Chometz to Pesach? I want to know what the what the proportions are, what the percentages are, and uh, and he he thought that 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 the uh, the percentage. Between the people who are coming with kiddish cups and the like and the things which by mistake were made shreif, was about 60 to 70 percent of the people who came to Kasher. And that matches with what I would have expected. And that's good news for the Jews. Why is it good news for the Jews? Because, number one, um, let's talk about the kiddish cups. Okay, that's a very important subject. That's again. A huge amount of the people who come to Kasher are coming to Kasher Kiddush cups. So, do you have to Kasher Kiddush cups? The Minna Gisril, the custom of the Jewish people is to try to do some Kashering of Kiddush cups. And it's appropriate to do some Kashering of Kiddush cups. It's going to be on the table. You shouldn't just take a Kiddush cup they use during the year and use it, and use it on Pesach. However, let's go over the rule of Kashering. And the rule of Kashering is, Kibolo The same way it absorbs is the way it expels. And that's why we have different levels of kashering. And the first level of kashering is, so to speak, something which doesn't require kashering at all. Something which is used cold. So then all you have to do is rinse it off. Make sure it's rinsed off and it's okay. And arguably, that's the Kiddush cup. The Kiddush cup is just used cold. Now, the thing is that you do wash the Kiddush cup, in a in hot water, perhaps in a chametzikah sink, but that's water that gets splashed on the kiddush cup. So it is true again that typically we would um, we would try to kasher put them into the pot. But let me tell you what you can do to kasher your kiddush cups at home, which is basic, simple, straightforward, and all that is really needed, and that is. Take the Kiddush cups, clean them, clean them well. That's always a prerequisite to kashering. And then place them. You can place them on the sidewalk in front of your house, on the lawn in front of your house. You can place them in your bathtub. And then heat up hot water to a boil in a kettle. It could be a Pesach kettle. It could be a Chometz Dike kettle that's, that's clean, that hasn't been used for 24 hours with chametz. Of course, kettles generally aren't used for 24 hours with chametz. And then, then take that hot water and pour it over over the cups. You don't have to immerse the cups in anything because they never got cooked in water. They just had hot water splash on them at most. So now you're splashing hot water on them, what's called irui, and that kashers it. And that's something you can do. Just be careful with the kettle. Make sure you don't cause. You, know, you take care of yourself. Pour the boiling hot water on top of the kiddush cups. The same thing works for, you know, trays, silver trays, which were used cold. A lot of stuff that people have that might they might have had for silver and the like, are. You know, one is able to do that for. Cutlery. This doesn't work for in the same way because cutlery could sometimes have been used. You know, in a pot, stirring in a pot. So for cutlery, we have to be more careful. But um, for, for you know, decorative Judaica silverware, stuff like that, there you can kasher it with irui. The same thing, by the way, is what you could do with your netilas yodayim cup. If you have a netilas yodayim cup that's metal, and you want to kasher it for Pesach, just pour boiling hot water on it, and for that it will work. Now, other things, like cutlery, has to be put into a pot. Now, cutlery, which is the second thing most common, is something which you can really kosher at home. It's not too hard. It's easier to come to shul and have it all done at once, but it can be done at home. And what you would do is like this. I'll try to describe it. You could probably see videos about this. What you need to do is get one big pot, again, ideally I, it could be a chametz pot that's clean that hasn't been used in 24 hours, or it could be a Pesach pot. And uh, it's, in this case, it might be better to use a chametz pot that hasn't been used in 24 hours. And warm up, take, fill it with water, get the water to come to a rolling boil, a bubbling boil, and then have another basin with cold water next to it. Now, what you want to do then is you want to take each piece of cutlery And make sure first that it's clean. And then stick it in to the pot, into the boiling water completely. Now you don't want to stick it into the boiling water completely. What you should do is you should wear some kind of a glove. Some kind of a glove. Ideally a glove, it could be like an oven mitt, something which insulates your hand from heat a little bit. Dip it in, turn it around, dip in the other side, make sure the whole thing got dipped in. It doesn't have to be dipped in all at once. Then take it and put it in the cold water. So again, it should be clean. It should be placed in the boiling hot, the bubbling, boiling hot water, and then placed and you know dipped into it halfway, halfway, and then dipped into the cold water, and it is then kashered. That's the that's all that you have to do, and that's something that can be done at home, for uh, for cutlery. The third category, which is the trickiest, are pots and pans, and the reason why they are the trickiest is for a couple of reasons. First of all, because because of the fact that they have to, at the very least, be immersed. Sometimes if it's a pan that's used for baking, immersion isn't enough, and you may not even be able to kasher it. We'll talk in a minute about a way that you you, you could possibly. But a, a pot could be kosher. The problem is, how do you have a pot that's big enough to immerse it in? You may not have a pot that's big enough to immerse your other pot in. And there is a solution. The solution is you fill the pot to the top, you bubble it till it bubbles over on all sides, but that can make a big mess, and sometimes people don't like doing that. So those are the things. Pots are the things that if one could, it would be good to replace for Pesach. I want to just give you one other solution that you could be aware of that could perhaps solve the problem of the pot, but it comes at a price. It comes at a price. And this is the solution. Normally, when you kasher a pot, as we say, you kasher it by immersing it into boiling hot water. That's because since it's used with hot water, you kasher it, it expels as well by boiling hot water. kebolo kachpolto. The same way it absorbs is the way it expels. However, if it's a baking pan, so then it doesn't boil, it doesn't boil, absorb with water, it absorbs just with plain dry heat, in order to expel it, also has to use plain dry heat to let it come out, and that has to be libun. It has to be a very high heat. So, um, so, uh, so, what's our solution here? So, f- how would one accomplish libun? One way would be with a blowtorch. I'm not going to recommend that to anybody here at any time. It's hard. It's dangerous. You have to know really, really what you're doing. The other option is what we do libun with. And how do we do libun? We do libun by a self-cleaning oven. A self-cleaning oven, we, we, we believe, is so, gets so hot that it burns it off, that that's called libun. And so, technically, if a person wanted something to have libun, all they'd have to do would be put it into the oven during the self-cleaning cycle. Now, if you take a pot with a plastic handle, and you put it into the, into the oven during the, the self-cleaning cycle, one thing will happen, which will happen, is that the handle will melt. Plastic will not survive a self-cleaning cycle. That's not the biggest problem in the world. There, you could remove the handle, you could kosher it by immersing it in something, you take, you know, unscrew the handle, and just put in the oven for the koshering process the pot itself, the metal itself. The second problem is that if you take a stainless steel pot and you put it in the oven for a self-cleaning cycle, what will happen is that that pot is going to no longer be a stainless steel pot. It'll still be a pot. It'll still be a steel pot. It just won't be a stainless steel pot. It will lose its, it's likely to lose its stainless characteristic if it's put in the oven during a self-cleaning cycle. So it won't be pretty. It won't be silvery, you know, like a, like, a, like a nice stainless steel. Instead, it could get brownish and blotchy, which is not a kasher's problem. It's just an appearance problem. So this is a suggestion for you if you don't have a Pesach Dikapat and you need one and you can't kasher using the regular method, a Pesach Dikapat. So here's the solution. And the solution is that you could put it into the oven during a self-cleaning cycle. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, you don't want to ruin your pots. You're right, you shouldn't ruin your pots. But maybe you have one pot, which isn't such a good pot, and, uh, and that one you could, you could do that with. I would also mention that in place of Hagola, when it's not a pan that re- or a baking pan or roasting pan that requires fire, but instead it's a like a pot that requires only hagola, not Libun, you don't even really have to have it in the oven for a self-cleaning cycle. Instead of putting it on self-clean, you could put it in the oven during a high heat cycle, like 550 degrees, the broil temperature, and have it inside the oven for 40 minutes or the like, till it gets so hot that was what we call Libun Kal. It doesn't glow red. But if you touch a piece of paper to it, it would singe immediately. When hagola, putting in boiling water, is required, this is the next best thing. And that's to do with the next level up, which is Libun bun kal. And if you can do that, so then it, it would also be kashered. So that's a solution. Those are, those are solutions for a situation where you have something that is a big pot you can't kasher. And this would be give you the ability to kosher it. In both cases, you should clean it first. The self cleaning model; it's less critical, but you still have to clean it first, and uh, and then you could put it through this put it through this process. Uh, the only other thing I want to note is is that uh, when it comes to koshering, there are certain things that we're hesitant about koshering. and uh, that includes things that have little spaces that can't be easily addressed. So one example is, for example, a colander, a a, a sieve. We don't kasher because it has little pieces, and maybe there could be some pieces of chametz stuck in those little holes. Another is a serrated knife blade. A serrated knife has all those little niches, and if you're going to look very closely at a serrated knife, one that you use a lot, you'll see that there's some discoloration, there's some presence of some residue often that's there in those little, little, little slats, Of the serrated blade and those are problematic when it comes to kashering those are problematic so can you kasher such a knife and the answer is that it it's a problem but there is a solution and the solution is that you do libun on the knife same thing like we said before where hagola works so making it very very hot also works and what we do is you know in we take the knife blade and we run it over the fire itself. You put it in the gas flame, and you let it sit there. You, you hold it in your hand a little bit, you, 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 and that will burn out, burn out significantly the serrations to the point where there's nothing to worry about there. So those are some thoughts about some of the kashring elements for the, for the metaltalim, for the utensils that, that we have in, in the kitchen. Okay, I'm now looking at a few questions on the chat, and I'm going to explain them. I'm going to try to answer them. The question is: Is it true that technically all pots, pans, and cutlery that haven't been used since last Pesach are considered parva? And the answer is no. It's not. It's not true. Um, you know, technically speaking, it wouldn't forbid the taste that was that that's in there. Is called eno ben yomo. It's not of the same day. It's not considered fresh, and therefore, if you used it with something, it wouldn't aser. It wouldn't forbid, um, but you you can't switch it. You can't switch it now. If you, what happens sometimes is people don't label their cutlery from the, you know properly. They had a serving spoon that they picked up you know on erev Pesach or two days before. And they thrust it right into whichever drawer, whichever line of service they were going to do, and they never remember to put that red piece of tape around it or the blue piece of tape around it to indicate whether it's Fleschig or Milchig. And now, this year, for the life of them, they take it out and they can't remember was it Fleschig or Milchig. I think it was Fleschig, but I'm not sure. So, there, that's what's called a Suffolk Eno benyomo. Ideally you, you can't say oh I knew last year was fleshing but now I'm going to use it for milhu or last year was fleshing now I'm going to use it for parif but if you were if you think that it was fleshing but you're not sure then you can rely because it's a suffix, eno ben yomo. but otherwise you don't you don't consider it parif you have to you have to try to keep it we're we're mahmir we're absolutely we try to keep it ideally that pots remain in their in their lane so to speak next question when kashering cutlery if you don't have a heat-proof glove, can you use tongs? If yes, chametz tongs or kosher for Pesach tongs? Also, should bin of cold water be kosher for Pesach? Great questions. Okay, so yes, you can absolutely use tongs. You just will still have to shift it on the tongs, unless what you do is you, you, you uh, yeah, because you, you're going to hold on tight with the tongs onto the, onto the item, so you'd have to dip it in, and then you wanna you you will need to you know to slide it a little bit so that the part of the, that was cut that was grasped by the tongue is now going to be exposed to the heat. So that can be done. That can be done. Um, it, the the tongues don't have to be kosher for Pesach before. You could start. By immersing the tongs, if they even need to, I mean, even if they even need immersion is not not clear, but at at the very least, you could immerse them both sides, and then you have, presto, pretty much kosher for Pesach tongs. You know, check in the holes to make sure there's nothing there, and the bin of cold water doesn't really matter. There shouldn't be chametz in there, but it doesn't really matter what its uh, what its original state is. Can heat proof glove be the chametz of av- oven mit? Uh, that you want to use for kashering the, the cutlery? And I would say to you, yes, um, two things. First of all, you should make sure that it is, that it is clean, and if it's clean, you could use it. You, generally, we, we would use different oven mitts for Pesach, but uh, if you're stuck, it could be you know significantly uh, significantly washed. I would say that you could use, it doesn't handle food, and here in this situation... Uh you would wash it, clean it, and you could use the Humanstick oven mitt if you if you if you needed to, if you didn't have an option. Ideally it would be something else. I also just want to mention something. I, I I uh it's good. We we have switched to using silicone oven mitts uh because there's a real question about the padding in the other oven mitts as to whether it may be shotness. And uh, so we have switched to silicone oven mitts. That's just something that's worth uh, worth worth being aware of. They're also they're a, they're excellent. They really really prevent heat. Is a food processor, but again, ideally you should try to use a Pesach grip that you're using on the hot water. The KFP, uh, the the tongs you can kasher. Uh, the oven mitt a little bit less so. But if if all you have is a is a to go on, just make sure it's clean and you can use it is a food processor able to be koshered by doing hagola on the metal and cleaning the plastic bowl. So we try not to do that. Um, we would not generally kosher a food processor. Um, you'd, you'd have to replace the bowls. Uh, we, we would generally have to replace the bowls. It, it's, they're, they're used so much around food and there are dvorim harifim, there are sharp things onions and things which are which are cut in food processors, and our custom is not to kosher plastic, so we generally would not encourage the kashering of a the kashering of a food processor. Um, if a person was really stuck uh, for this Pesach and didn't have a kosher food proce- a kosher for Pesach food processor, and it would be difficult thing for the person to order, they can speak to me. And I could talk to them about a possible solution, a possible solution. And I'm happy to discuss that as a possible solution. This is something which I'm a little bit more hesitant to put out here, just into the general discussion. Hold on one second. I'm just going to renew the mute. Okay, let me go back here to the chat. Maybe this was already mentioned, but how do you kosher a gas-electric stovetop? Sorry, not gas, electric ga- glass stovetop. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in the previous time. Uh, what you have to do is you have to clean it, clean the whole glass surface very, very well. You should run the, all the burners high till they turn red. And then the area over the burner directly is considered koshered. You should try not to use directly the areas in between. I know it's impossible because the pots go over, um, but those areas uh, that the pots go uh, In between, you should try to put an extra layer of foil beneath the pan. Don't try to cover the whole thing with a blech because that could crack it, but you could put an extra level of foil beneath what you are uh, what you are doing there. Some people say put a little disc, like a little coin or something, uh, you know, on the glass and put the pot on that. And that that is a good a good solution as well. If I have kosher for Pesach tongs, is that pre- preferable for kashering over a chametz stick oven mitt? I would say yes. I assume that's the question. Over a Pesach dikha oven mitt, it doesn't make a difference. Do we need to buy a new hot water urn for Pesach? Okay, so that's a very, very frequently asked question. And in order for me to answer that question, I'm gonna actually make a demonstration for you shortly. I'm gonna ask you to hold on for one second, for one, not one second, I wanna be accurate, for 30 seconds while I will show you, uh, while I'll get something and then I will answer the question, okay? Actually, could you get me the cover for our urn, please? Thanks. Um, Okay. Uh, special credit to one of my one of our daughters. Um, okay, so can you kasher an urn for Pesach? Why should you need to kasher an urn for Pesach? An urn is actually a it's um, just used for hot water. Hot water is kasher for Pesach. It's not an issue. So um, so um, the the the, uh, the, fol- the the answer is as the answer is as follows. Indeed, many, many times an urn does not need to be new for pesach. Uh, because of that reason, you want to make sure that it's clean, you want to run through, you know, the water run through the water through it, have it go through the spigot. Be a good idea, clean, you know, around the spigot, the heart to get to parts. And that could be okay under some circumstances, but listen to me carefully if you will. The first issue that you have to deal with is that you made sure that the spigot was not, that you, you didn't make it chametz. And some people, for example, like, like something called instant oatmeal. Instant oatmeal is delicious. I used to eat it um, before my diet. Uh, but um, instant oatmeal is delicious. And uh, however, it's as chametz as things get. I mean, oatmeal is one of the five grains that constitute chametz. And if you take a cup with instant oatmeal and you stick it up underneath the spigot and the, the water shoots down from the spigot and bounces up and the oatmeal, I mean, that's pretty close for comfort, okay? It's not such an issue with coffee. Coffee generally is kosher le Pesach. Many coffees, as you'll read in the booklets, the Star K or the OU booklets for Pesach, they're kosher without specific Pesach supervision, many of the standard brands. But oatmeal is never kosher for Pesach. And, um, and so you could be actually dealing with that. But I'll show you something else, and this is why I have the demonstration. And this is a big thing. Where do you keep your urn? Some people keep the urn on a separate little counter or on even a sidebar in their dining room. And it's kept sequestered. It's not around food. It's not getting splashed or splattered. Other people keep the urn Keep the urn over here and the crockpot over there. They're both plugged into the same socket. They're near each other. And sometimes the urn could be splattered with different things. Maybe it's splattered from the crockpot that has the cholent. And cholent is really chametz. Cholent has barley in it. Cooked barley is chametz 100%. I mean, the whole cholent isn't 100% chametz, but the, 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 that's a critical ingredient which influences the whole cholent. And if you have cholent splatters, that's a different thing. Sometimes people put things on top of the urn to warm up for Shabbos. So here's my demonstration. Here is the cover of our urn. And I was just looking at it for fun because I always get this question so much. And look what I found. Okay. Don't tell my wife I'm showing this on national television. But uh, there is a stain. A stain. And that stain, you can actually feel it, is a brown stain. It's a sticky brown stain. I'm not sure what it is. It could be that it's a little chullen splatter. It could be that it's a little apple kogel splatter. Maybe on one Shabbos morning, which is very normal in our house, if you want to get the chill out of some of the things that are going to be served at lunch, so we'll put them on top of the hot water urn. And evidently on occasion it could leak. Now, this was on this urn and it was the urn was on the fire, it has a fire in it. And so it needs to be koshered. Not just with a you can't just pour hot water on it to kosher it because this was on the fire itself. So to kasher it, you'd have to immerse it. Now this is easy. This could be immersed like any other pot lid. So let's say this splatter wasn't on the lid, but it was on the side of the urn. Then the whole urn would have to be kashered in the same way. And um, it's very impossible to kasher it by immersing it because it's tall and narrow, and it creates an air pocket. It's very very, and it has electric, electrical um, components. So you, if an urn needs kashering, you can't kasher it. But some urns just don't need kashering. That's my answer to that question. So, uh, you know, if you if your urn is, you look at it without having cleaned it, and you look at it and it's spick and span clean, it doesn't have stains from other food things, and you know you keep it aside, and you don't shove oatmeal underneath it, run it through, clean it, let the water out, and you could use it without kashering for Pesach. But if it needs kashering, I don't know exactly how to tell you that you can kosher it. So that's the, that's the long answer to the urn. Got another question here. Can a microwave be kashered for Pesach? So there's a difference of opinion about microwaves. Some people say you can kosher them for Pesach. Some people say you can't kosher them for Pesach. Uh, I, for one, am not a big fan of koshering microwaves because the way you kosher a microwave, the way anybody would who would kosher a microwave kosher the microwave is that they have to boil up water to fill the chamber with steam, which is um, you know, it's just not classic koshering. It's also the walls of the microwave are plastic, which we generally do not kosher. And also you probably have to replace the turntable. At the very least you have to really, really cover properly the turntable. So I'm not a big fan of koshering microwaves, but there are many others who do. And the reason why I'm more conservative about it is because you can do without a microwave. We have, uh, our family, we have two microwaves in our kitchen. We're not able to use either of them uh, because they are over stove microwaves. And in both cases, the door broke a little bit. The plastic cracked a little bit a couple of years after we got it. You guessed it wasn't covered by the warranty. And... um, so you can't use a microwave that isn't sealed. So we've actually, we had two k- microwaves installed in our kitchen. We haven't used any of them, either of them for years. And we're here to tell the tale. So probably a week without a microwave is a manageable thing. But if you really need to, there are instructions in some of the Pesach guides about how to do it. Should one be worried about the parva status of the urn? Generally speaking, you don't have to worry about it. The, the urn would, could be considered to be a part of it, if you're asking about when the cholent, I'm sorry, you're asking about when the cholent is uh, is 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 splattered on it. So, you know, it's a good question. It's a good question. And um it, you know there's more there's more reason to be uh, you know to be lenient. You know, at most what it would be would be uh, would be you know some small amount which is not so significant. That uh, would not really render render the water the whole th- you know the water that comes out, but it should be cleaned off. And I I just saved this for this for this exhibition. Mir Tzaddik will clean it off, um, but I I don't think you would you would have to worry you know lemaisa. How do you recommend koshering metal sinks interior? Uh, I re- will recommend when we try to show a little bit what you what you need to do with metal sinks is you. Um, you have to scrub it clean, make sure it's really clean, so that when you run your hand over it, you don't feel any bumps. It's the smooth stainless steel, and then boil up hot water in an urn or a kettle—not an urn in a kettle or a or a, an electric uh, kettle—and uh, you have to splash water directly over it, over all of it. So a sink takes two to three, two to three uh, runs through a kettle to splash all over. The, the basin, every spot of the basin, the walls, the sides, the spigot, the handles, that should all be done. Can I use the Agola process to switch my fleishig utensils to milchig? So the, the, this is the rule, that there's a minah Gisrael, there's a custom in the Jewish people that we don't kosher from milchigs to fleishig. We kosher things which become traif to make them kosher. We kosher things which are chametz to make them pesachdik. But we don't kosher from milchig to fleishig. However, if you're kashering something for Pesach, so then it becomes you can do whatever you want. In other words, to begin with, you don't go kashering something. It's milchig. I want to switch it to fleishig. However, you're allowed to kasher from chametz to Pesach. Once you kasher, it's neutral, so you can make it to whatever you want, and that would be okay at that point to make it for whatever you want. So things which you're kashering for Pesach can then switch, but things which you which you aren't kashering for Pesach, just to kasher from milchigs to fleshigs, is not something that you're, that you're supposed to do. So it's 9.34, um, and at this point, right now I'm not seeing any other questions on here. I would like to do now the public tevilas kelim for people who have it, which is not gonna be really tvila, but as we mentioned before, people who have dishes, they can make a declaration in front of three men who are on this call saying that I need this kli, I can't use it the way it is. I want to be mafkirith. I'm get, making it ownerless in front of these people. And then it's not your kli and you could use it. So I'm gonna, I'm unmuting now. If you have a lot of noise going on in the background, I would ask you. Okay. If somebody has a specific question and doesn't know how to use the chat, they can ask it. Otherwise, we're going to ask people. If somebody says that they have kalim to, to be mafkir, they could try to indicate that. You have some Kalim, who's that? Moshe Berger. Hello, Ramosha. Okay, so, Ramosha, could you tell us? First of all, let me just find a couple of people here. Oh, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this down. I see that I, I'm just looking at my screen. I see Aryeh Getz and I see Kalman Feldman. Okay? So, we're going to be the Besden. So, Moshe Berger, are you on screen or are you just on sound? I'm uh, just on sound. You're just on we're sound. On you don't have to be. Could you describe to us the kalim that you have? I know that's a personal question. What? <laughs> I, I have two pots. Yeah, if two pots. Okay. One's, one's blue, one's stainless steel. Thaline. My wife's right near me, so she's going to be describing the background. Everything we have. Okay. We have two. Um, we have two um, pans that are frying pans. Okay. Some uh, peelers, and we have some uh, utensils, and we have glasses. Twelve drinking glasses. Okay, and they're all new for Pesach. They all new for Pesach. Okay, okay. So, so this is what I, we. This is what we would say. A, a Pyrex bowl uh, with two salad servers. Okay, yes. okay, okay. So, so this, is, this, this, this is what we're going to go over. So if you, and you can't title them, right, this year. So you want to use a temporary uh, solution. So I would say, if you want to say in front of myself and Aryeh Getz and Kalman Feldman, that you are being mafkir them, that you are declaring them ownerless. All of those items, you're declaring them ownerless. So say, say to us, you're declaring them ownerless. Okay, Hefker. <laughs> okay, okay, so they're now Hefker. They're now Hefker. And if you use them as Hefker, don't reclaim them. They're Hefker. As, as before, I would just mention to you two things. One is take pictures of them so that you'll remember that you didn't title them. And the first opportunity you have, you will title them. Number two, um, for the pots and pans and peelers, there's no question you should use this. As you may have heard earlier, for the drinking glasses, you'll decide. Because maybe the drinking glasses you can get by with disposable. This is a real cooler, real leniency. And you should use it for the things that are really needed. Things which are not as needed, you may not use it for. So you, you'll decide. But um, that's just something to point out to you. You'll decide based on your own... Um, on your own your own assessment. Okay? Shkoyach. good Is anybody else on the phone who wants to be Mafgir Kalin? Um, yes. Um, hi, it's Mrs. Branstein. Hello Mrs. Branstein. Hi. Um, okay is it better if I show you a video of it or just describe it? You could show a video or or we could just we could just tell us what you want to be Mafir and it's fine. Use the tea kettle for for, for kashering. So we rather, so we just um, I just want to make it. Hefker and ownerless. So it's brand. It's brand new. It's brand new. Yeah. Okay. So you want to make it hefker, so you can be title So so you don't have to title it. Okay. So you're saying it in front of myself and Arya Getz and Kalman Feldman that you're made, rendering it hefker. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. 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 It is hefker. It is hefker. And the salad tongs are also hefker. Okay. Mazel tov. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody else have any kalim for tonight? Uh, the, the, I would just mention that uh, if somebody, if the, if people that do it tonight, maybe they don't have things yet, but we have minyonim, baruch Hashem, shachros, min chamarev. There always a minion. Somebody wants to get on shachos Min chamarav at the end and do it. That will also be fine. That will also be fine. Um, I found here another few uh, few uh, questions, and we'll take them and then we'll we'll wrap up. I missed the answer, but if you don't remember if something was fleishing, what do you do? Okay. So again, if you can kasher it, you can kosher you kasher it. If not, you think it was. If it's a suffolk, you can be lenient and use it for what you remember it for. Um, If I bought new pots and had in mind not to be kona, do I need to be mafkir? If you had in mind not to be kona, then it's even better. Then you don't need to be mafkir. It's not yours. Then somebody wrote that Star K just released a turning over for Pesach kitchen demo video. And um, if anybody wants, there's a link here. So you, I guess you could look up Star K Kashring video. I heard that it was coming. Um, or if you want, the person who sent it to me could forward it to everyone, if you wish. And uh, that might be helpful to people. Okay. Any further questions? Any further hefkers? <laughs> okay. It's a pleasure to be together with everybody. Ymir uh, Hashem. Tomorrow, besides for Shachris, the Shachris Minyanim and the Daf we're going to have again a shul get-together at 6 o'clock for Mincha, followed by an Onek Shabbos, a pre-Mincha Onek Shabbos. We're going to have a special guest speaker tomorrow, a person of Chesed who will speak about Chesed, especially Chesed during this time, Rabbi Baruch Brul. And uh, I encourage you, it should be Mir very nice, and we'll share words of Torah, we'll share some songs to prepare for Shabbos. Shabbos That's tomorrow at six o'clock. Good to see everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I think I think that the link to the Star K video was just sent, you could look for it on your screen.